Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Heavenly Father, your word is the guide for us. We want to walk on it. Let it be a light to our path. And let it lead us exactly where you want us to go today, which is into the presence of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. That we might truly commune with him. And as a result, we might be changed. And we might know that we've been changed. And we might head on our way home today just knowing The Spirit of God has touched us this morning. For we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I've titled this message, A Guarantee Like No Other. Turn to somebody and say, I guarantee it. You don't even know what you're guaranteeing, but just say it with conviction. I guarantee it. Because that's the way I want you to feel this message this morning. Really, I'm guaranteeing it, but my guarantee doesn't mean much. Jesus is guaranteeing what we're talking about today. So here we go. It's a guarantee that we find written in red. We've been going through a lot of the red words of the scripture, the actual teachings of Jesus Christ. This series of messages that we started way back in January is entitled Red Letter Living putting the teachings of Jesus into practice in our life. So this guarantee, of course, today is going to be read or written in red. Actually, they're blood red. It's a guarantee that our Heavenly Father will be pleased with us. Now, isn't that a good thing? If somebody could guarantee you that God, the Almighty, will be and is pleased with you, wouldn't that be a great guarantee to have? To know for sure? Well, that's part of what we're talking about today. Also, it's a guarantee that the Holy Spirit will be successful within us. That's pretty important. Without the Holy Spirit's success in our lives, we would be unsuccessful as believers. He is the one that makes us what God wants us to be. And so here it is, our guarantee, our red letter scripture, John chapter 15, verse 5. We're just picking a little phrase out because this is where Jesus got to the punchline and we'll review the rest of the statement later on. But here we are. Jesus said in the midst of a discussion, he, that is a particular person, but this was the last supper. He was talking to just his own close disciples. And so we can certainly say, you, Jesus was talking to them, Peter, James, John, all of them sitting there. He would be talking to us by the Spirit this morning. So he or you will bear much fruit. Now, that guarantee, as I said, is, of course, part of a larger statement. We're going to look at that larger statement in a moment, but I want us all to feel for a moment just the impact of those red-letter words. Jesus spoke those words to his disciples 
the very night that he would be betrayed into the hands of those who would condemn him to death. Jesus spoke those words surrounded by the very men who just a few hours later would turn tail and run and would abandon him to those who would arrest him. Jesus spoke those words to men that he knew just a few hours from now would be ashamed of themselves, would feel like failures, would feel like he had made the biggest mistake in the world when he called them to follow him and be with him. Jesus knew all of that, and knowing all of that, he knew that they, more than maybe any group of men ever, they needed right at that night to hear and to remember these words. You will bear much fruit. Turn to somebody right now and just say, you will bear much fruit. Go ahead, say it. Now, did you say that confidently? Do you believe this person you talk to will bear much fruit? That's what Jesus was saying. It's not, I hope so. You know, there's a couple of you who are going to bomb out. A couple of you are going to be pretty good. Most of you are going to be just, nah. No, he said, you, you will bear much fruit. Now, quietly to yourself, right inside your head, in your heart, say this. I will bear much fruit. I will. I will. Those are powerful words. You will bear much fruit. In other words, he was saying to his disciples, And I believe through his spirit, he says to every one of us who have received him as Savior, every one of us who has been given new life in Christ, because it's that new life in Christ that does this. You will be fruitful, he's saying. You will accomplish the things for which I have chosen you. And he could have added, I guarantee it. Imagine those words running through Peter's mind after he denied the Lord and denied the Lord and denied the Lord. And then it says he ran out into the darkness weeping bitterly. Oh, how could I fail the Lord like that? How could I be such a coward? How could I not stand up with him? I had told him I would go to death with him and boy, what a phony I was. I'm no good for anything. And then he remembers, just a few hours earlier, Jesus had said to all of them, and he could have talked directly, and they probably felt he was talking directly to each of them, Peter, you will bear much fruit for me. As Peter's just devastated by his failure. More encouraging words would never be spoken than those. Wouldn't it be awesome to actually hear those words this morning from Jesus himself? 
See, we can turn to the person next to us and say, you will bear fruit, much fruit. And that person thinks, what do you know? What do you know? You're just saying that because the pastor told you to say it. I'm not really very much assured by you telling me that. What if Jesus himself were to say, you know, you, and use your name, you will bear much fruit. What an awesome thought. That Jesus himself could tell us that. Would we not believe it? Even if we heard those words on a very bad day. Would we dare tell the Son of God he doesn't know what he's talking about? Would you? Even on your worst day? Would you say, oh, Lord, you don't have a clue. If you'd been aware of what I've been doing the rest of this day, you'd never say something like that. No, this is the Son of God. He knows everything. And he's telling us something. That we need to get over our own impression of things and pick up his. All his disciples had to do it that very night. You will bear much fruit. What you do in the next few hours isn't really who you are. That's not going to be the whole story of your life. I'm telling you, your life is going to be a fruitful one. And they might have even thought to themselves, just like we can think at times, what's fruit? I mean, what does he mean? Well, I draw your attention to the way the Apostle Paul amplified and, and extended and filled in that definition of fruit. Remember what he said in Galatians chapter 5, 23, 22, and 23? If you want to say, what's the stuff I'm going to bear? Well, here's a list of some of the stuff Jesus would say, we, you, and I are going to bear. Stuff that's going to appear in our life. Because he said so. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, that is the spiritual fruit, comes through the Holy Spirit that God sent to work in those who belong to Christ. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. I just got done praying that that we who look to the Lord with needs in our life would be flooded not only with answers and courage, but also joy. That's something the Spirit of God brings to us. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Now, just get within yourself for a minute. Don't let anybody else see what you're thinking. How many of you, as I go through that list, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, how many of you just say, man, that's me. That's me. How many of you have ever had hints of some of that stuff? Oh, come on. Just hints of some. I I narrowed it down twice. Just a hint of some of it. You, You know, something of love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or gentleness or self control. Sure, we have. Sure, we have. Otherwise, we might have to go way, way back to square one somewhere and may start all over again with all of us. You see, that's what fruitfulness really is. A list like that pretty much is your A to Z list. 
It's all the things that actually characterize Jesus himself, right? In a word, it's Christ-likeness. It's becoming like the man, Jesus, as he walked through our earthly world and exhibited every one of these things. We could probably find several examples, even out of our head. I might have Lynn to do this. How many of you enjoyed the little quiz before the service? How many of you are aware we had a quiz on the screen before the service? (laughs) There we go. We're going to be doing that. But we could put up there one of these traits and before the service say, which of these situations in Jesus' life illustrated love or joy or peace? And, And just think through. But we can probably do that right inside your own head now. All nine of those, you could probably say, I remember when Jesus showed patience. I remember when Jesus was kind and not heavy-handed. I remember when Jesus was faithful to the task, even unto death. You see, fruitfulness that Jesus says we will bear much of is showing forth the very character of Christ. It's behaving like him. And now don't think that that is no big deal. If and to whatever degree this behaving like Jesus can become part of our earthly experience, I want you to consider the consequence, the outcome of such a living, such life, such fruitfulness. Here's what Jesus said in just a few verses later on, John 15, 8. He said, this is to my Father's glory. Wouldn't it be awesome if on our tombstone, if by the time we pass away, they still have tombstones, it said, he, she brought glory to God. He or she brought glory to God. Jesus now says, this is how you might do that. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, just a few minutes later, after Jesus made that first statement around the Last Supper table, Jesus spoke these words explaining why fruitfulness was so important. Fruitfulness is important because our fruitfulness brings glory to God the Father. Jesus says that. Don't raise your hands. How many of you at moments in your life have been proud of your kids? How how many of you, at times in your life, your kids have really pulled off something great, good, admirable, and your chest puffs up? That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's my kid. Now, that's a a human-based thing, but imagine it in a pure, godly, spiritual realm where the followers of Jesus Christ the ones the Holy Spirit has given birth, spiritual birth, into the family of God and become children of God, Jesus is saying, you and I can actually make our Heavenly Father proud. 
and have other people say, you did good. Have you ever gotten complimented for your kids as though you had something to do with it? Boy, you must be proud of that boy. Jesus says, this is to my father's glory. It adds to his prestige, if you will, that you, who are his children, bear much fruit. Now, in that process, you are showing yourself to actually be, Jesus says, my disciples. So our fruitfulness brings glory to God the Father. Our fruitfulness verifies that we are indeed Jesus' disciples. Because, you know, nobody else would live like that. Nobody else lives like that. Nobody else does the loving thing all the time. Nobody else is patient. No one else is kind and gentle and good and all these things. People ask, what's in it for me? I don't see where I'm getting ahead living that way. People take advantage of me. I got to watch out for myself. Only a follower of Jesus Christ would live the kind of life that Jesus lived or even try to live the kind of life that Jesus lived. And Jesus says, see, it shows my father that you're one of mine. You see, our fruitfulness means that Jesus didn't die in vain. It means the incredible sacrifice he undertook on the cross, not just dying physically, anybody can die physically, and plenty of people die horribly physically and are praying to die because they're in such agony. Human beings can do horrible things to human beings. But what Jesus experienced, no human being has ever experienced, but there are some who will one day, and that is receive the wrath of God the judgment of God upon sin, upon themselves. And that's what Jesus endured on the cross. And for that to be for nothing would be horrible. But it wasn't, was it? It wasn't for nothing. Our fruitfulness not only shows we are Christ's disciples and he didn't die for nothing, but it also means the Father's plan has been fulfilled to remove the barrier that keeps fallen human beings away from fellowship with God, away from eternal life in heaven. God's plan is to make a way, to make a way that fallen human beings can actually become fruitful and can actually fellowship with him for all eternity the way it was originally planned. And so he sent his son to pay that horrible price that we, through faith in him, might be welcomed into the family of God. And God can look forward to a, an eternity surrounded by untold numbers of human beings human beings, unlike any other kind of being in the universe, who love him and know him, and that he loves and that he knows, and that Jesus is saved and the Holy Spirit is redeemed. And, and it's like, oh, the plan of God is awesome. Fruitfulness, spiritual fruitfulness, indicates that plan has not failed. 
Amen? You realize if only the people in this room, in all of the world, for all time, if you were the only ones who had accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, yielded your life to the Holy Spirit of God, and been making slow but steady progress toward greater and greater fruitfulness, if we were the only ones in all the universe, God's glory would be increased. And testimonies of praise would be shared and talked about among the heavenly hosts to say, fallen human beings who rebelled against God have been reborn. How awesome is that? And they are following after their Savior. More and more and better and better. Oh, my goodness. You see, that's what is riding on Christians being fruitful. You see, Satan would desire to embarrass the father. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Satan accuses the brothers. He accuses us when we fail before God, and he has lots of opportunity to do that. But Satan, the ultimate thing would be to bring... God the Father to a point of embarrassment. To say none of this plan worked. No human being has been redeemed. I got them to rebel and you were not able to get any of them to repent. Fruitfulness takes those words out of his mouth. Because God the Father can say, have you looked at that one and that one and that one and that one and this one and those and the millions through the years in whom the Spirit of God has brought new life and has brought fruit and has brought Christ's likeness more and more and more until that accusation can't even be brought up. We don't want any of our lives individually to embarrass our Heavenly Father. Fruitfulness demonstrates so much. Here's what Jesus himself said, John chapter 17, verse 4. He said that very same night, a little bit later, in a, an extended prayer that is found in the scripture, John 17, Jesus says, Father, I have brought you glory on earth the very things we're talking about. I, Jesus the man, have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus was the ultimate fruitful one. And he said, Father, you know, if you want to think about it, if he were the only one, he was a legitimate human being, and he obeyed God. He surrendered himself to God. He served God. He was fruitful. If he were the only one, the Father would receive glory from this human race of which his own son had become part. But he's not the only one, is he? There's millions, untold numbers, who follow in Jesus' stead. And I trust every one of us is part of that number, bringing glory to God. Can you imagine? We... We're full of the phrase, we're familiar with the phrase, when we get to heaven, we want to hear the Father say, well done. 
Just a two-word, well done. What if we enlarge that statement just a little bit? To hear said about you one day. You. You brought glory to God on earth by becoming the person God intended you to be. By exhibiting the fruit of his Holy Spirit in your life and thus showing that you are one of Christ's own. What a life calling. At the end of life to say, well, that's who, that's who you are. Say to yourself, that's who I desire to be. You brought glory to God on earth by becoming the person God intended you to be, by exhibiting the fruit of his Holy Spirit in your life and thus showing that you are one of Christ's own. That's fruit. We think of fruit in terms of doing some great task. Fruit is becoming a great person, becoming a Christ-like individual in the midst of an anti-Christ world. That's what the Philippian believers did. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote about them, and he wrote about them to them. So it's in Philippians 2, chapter Chapter 2, verses 15, 16, Paul says, You shine like stars in the universe as you hold out, and I would add, live out the word of life. So there's a lot. There's a lot riding on our fruitfulness, isn't there? The very reputation of Jesus. And the amount of glory the Father receives from his plan to redeem man rides on it. It's so important that we be fruitful and that we bear as much fruit as possible. So now, let's just return to our original red letter words and here's the rest of the verse. It gives us the condition for fruitfulness. How do we make sure that we can be fruitful? How can we make sure that the things that God considers fruit does in fact emerge in our life? Well, here's what Jesus said in the beginning of that verse, John 15, 5. If a man remains in me and I in him, he or you will bear much fruit. That's all it takes. It doesn't say if a man will build a great church. If somebody will give great sums of money. If somebody leads many, many people to Christ and is known as a marvelous soul winner. Jesus says, if a man remains in me. And I in him. He will bear much that God considers to be fruit. And here's how it happens. Guaranteed. Remain, abide in Christ. Paul said one time, set your minds on things above where Christ is. Allow his spirit to guide you through life and provide all you need for life. Abide in me. And let me, the very spirit of Christ, abide in you until the thoughts of Christ, the character of Christ, the impressions of Christ, the behaviors of Christ become second nature to us. And that second nature 
Christ-like living, God calls fruit. And it's that fruit that every Christian can bear. It's that fruit that brings glory to God. As the Father himself is able to say, there's another one like my son. There's another one like my son. There's a whole host of them who are seeking to walk carefully in his steps. And though they still have to battle with the old sin nature, even though they still will stumble and fall, their new nature is so committed to Christ that they get back up They take back a hold of the Spirit and they walk on and they make progress. They make progress until someday they take that final step right into my presence and I can recognize them for what they are. A beautifully fruitful child of God, disciple of Jesus Christ. And we could add companion of the Holy Spirit himself. And so here, here's something Jesus said to us. And this is where we leave it this morning. He said, there's a way that we can abide with him even though he's not here any longer. A way that his own disciples could abide with him, connect with him, remain in him in some way that would be transformational to them, even though he is now in that highly exalted state in heaven, he said this. These red letter words, remember them? John six fifty six. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains, abides in me, and I in him. Jesus is referring to communion there. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. He said, this bread is my body, which is given for you. This cup is the new covenant, the new life in my blood that I've purchased for you. And whoever eats this believingly and drinks this, connecting to me, understanding, there's a sense that we are linked. We are linked. You are abiding in me, he says. And I am abiding, taking up residence in a very special way within you, at least in this very moment. That's what we're going to do in a moment. We're going to have that occasion. We're going to have communion together. Some people have communion every day. Some churches have communion every week. Some churches have communion every day, make it available. We make it available for us to do as a corporate thing once a month. And today's our day. It's almost like on the first Sunday of the month, Jesus himself, in a very special way, decides to visit this congregation. And through the bread and through the cup, in a way that goes beyond our ability to understand, he presents himself to us. And we receive him. We receive him. And we receive him in a way that we can be fundamentally changed, altered, strengthened, until we go forth with a a greater zeal to, to be like him than we had when we came in. Communion is a miracle. 
Not a miracle as, as some talk about it, but it's a miracle of connection with the living Christ and the power it can have to just blossom fruit within us as we receive it for what it is. This is our moment to commune with him. This is our moment to see him in this physical way, this little piece of bread we get. Jesus said to his disciples as he held up bread that night, he said, this is, this is my body. I want you to consider this to be my body. He was in his body standing right there. So there had to be a spiritual meaning there. This is my body, which is, will be given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood that will be shed for you and that I will pour out on the altar someday in heaven as your great high priest. And all of these things together can change you drastically. All of these things together can bring you to fruitfulness you can't imagine. And so take part and believe that there is a work of God being done right in your midst and in your heart. And so our final thought says, communion with Christ produces all by itself and in a unique way produces God-glorifying fruitfulness. It's a guarantee like no other. Our Heavenly Father, there's, there's a need, a desire for us to bring glory to you. Not that you need glory, but Father, we need to know that there's a purpose in our life that we can bring glory to you. And we want to. We want to bring glory to you by doing the very things that you instruct us to do. And so this morning we pray that each of us individually, this congregation as a whole, folks who might even be here just for this very day, they are here by your divine appointment. And Father, may our, our lives and hearts, each of us, be affected, changed, strengthened. And may that, that fruit of your grace, just grow to abundant levels in our lives. For we ask you this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.